0: hello and welcome to vision of zion today is april 5th 2023 i've got sean white on the phone how you doing sean hi good all right so today we've decided we're going to talk about your notes on isaiah 26 which is a really an amazing chapter uh, and your notes are really powerful as well so why don't we get into it do you want me to i think my maybe this would be good i think maybe it would be good for me to read the head notes of this chapter in both the the church's version or you know publication of isaiah 26. these head notes i understand were written by bruce R. mcconkey maybe they were in committee with others but that's what i was told a long long, long time ago when these scriptures First came out in this format in the nineteen seventies, late nineteen seventies. Um and then I can also read the head note that Abraham wrote on IsaiahExplain.com. Does that sound like a good place to start? Yeah, let's do that. So in the publication of the Old Testament by the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, it says on the head note, this chapter is about one, trust in the Lord forever, two, Jehovah shall die and be resurrected. Three, all men shall rise in the resurrection. In Abraham Gileadi's heading, this is what he says unlike, unlike their oppressive rulers, the righteous survive the earth's desolation while others resurrect. Quite a different take, what you say on what these verses are. To- I mean, they're probably both true, but. And then
1: my take is different, too, because I see it as an overview of a three-year period of time. I mean, Isaiah 5 covers a three-year period of time also, but it just it gives a kind of a quick overview. And then you combine the other chapters, like this is the beginning chapter that ties the other chapters together to this. So it helps you understand it in a more detailed way.
0: Okay. Let me go on our same pattern where I read the verse, under the translation of uh, Gilead, and then you can provide your commentary, and maybe I'll have something to say. First verse of Isaiah 26. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. Our city is strong. Salvation. He has set up as walls and barricades. The word Junah here is a code name. We have to always watch for these
1: code words or code names. The code name is Promised Land within the walls of New Jerusalem. At this point in time, Isaiah is talking about the inner valleys the servant has gathered those that can hear God's voice to. The word salvation is reference to our Savior setting up the walls and barricades to keep those that can hear His voice safe from the wicked. And uh, so in my mind, as I read this and compared it to scenes from my near-death experience and everything, we're setting up these chasms of Zion, little trial cities to see if we can do it, and the
0: walls are protecting us there. So this makes me think about a couple things. One, let's provide some context. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was partly founded on the idea that we're going to establish Zion on the American continent. This is also in our Articles of Faith that can be found in the Pearl of Great Price. Zion shall be built upon this American continent. And that place was designated early on in the Church's history to be Missouri. And, of course, the members of the Church who gathered there in the subsequent 1830s because that was about 1831 i think were driven out and then they formed another city which used to be called commerce i think and that became nauvoo illinois which there are just shards or fraction uh just pieces of that area still remaining that they had built up in the 1840s late 1830s 1840s and so there's the idea or notion that this promise of establishing the center city, Zion, is going to occur in the future in Missouri someday. And we've never backed off of that belief. And but this leads to a question I have, Sean. There's going to be these there are going to be these inner valleys or what I would call places of refuge. Uh during the times of wrath that are coming and my question is the united states is just a small piece of real estate in the grand scope of the whole world and while we're focused here on what's going to happen in the americas or in the united states what about places of refuge around the world
1: well we're seeing we have to also think about here for a second that we have people gathering to Jerusalem and uh, in those areas, I've seen that they gather to the mountains in Jerusalem around the outside as protection during their trials, like <clears throat> in the same pattern we do. Sorry, I'm losing my voice just a second here, but um <clears throat> we're seeing more and more migration in fact i see that we're just on the tip when we think of everybody coming across the borders from mexico now and from canada down we're just seeing a little tip of the iceberg of what's going to be coming but we also have to think at the same time of a weeding out uh, that's going to start happening the separation of the wheat and the tares where we have less you know the righteous are more separated than the wicked And uh, so I love the parallels I've been finding in other chapters as to when the children of Israel and Moses led them out of Egypt. And here they cross the Red Sea and they're over here in this dry and barren land. And they just have what they could carry in their arms across that crossing at the Red Sea. And they're going, oh, my gosh, we don't have any water. We don't have any food. What are, what are we to do? And they turned to Moses like, man, we are really in trouble here. And uh, the interesting thing is that all of a sudden Moses puts down his staff and there's water as they travel time after time, Moses puts down his staff and there's the water that they need and, then, and they get the manna that they need. And also in that verse, I was surprised to hear they had no sore feet. But as they recorded there and I, I wish I had those references in this chapter as well as the other one I did, but they talk about why would we have to go through this and it's to humble them to test, to see if they are true and faithful in all things to test, to see if they can be ready to see the Lord face to face. They had the invitation and we have the invitation to us too. And these little microchasms of Zion what I call, Um, our staging grounds to see if we can truly treat one another like Christ and they will treat us like Christ in our preparation to go essentially walk up the mountain to see God face to face. We will walk to new Jerusalem to see God face to face and, and to hug him and to have him place his hands on our shoulders and to heal us of all, all infirmities. It's so, we're getting ready on our own invitation. The other thing that's such an interesting parallel and not many people realize is the distance from Egypt into Israel was around 1,100 and some miles, 1,190 miles. And within a couple miles of that, let's say from most places in Utah, it's the same distance. It's about 1,100 and some miles to Missouri. And that's so... Interesting. The parallelism of this journey there's just so many parallels
0: okay let's go to verse 2 of isaiah 26 open the gates to let in the nation righteous because it keeps faith those minds are i'm sorry i'm going to start this over i'm sorry open the gates to let in the nation righteous because it keeps faith Those whose minds are steadfast, O Jehovah, you preserve in perfect peace, for in you they are secure. Ever trust in Jehovah, for Jehovah-Yah is an everlasting rock.
1: In my mind, I see the gates to these protected inner valleys or cities of refuge are open to all the peoples of the world that can hear God's voice for themselves. And keep his covenants.
0: So that was actually verses 2 through 4. And I did have the impression when I read about the gates. What do gates do? Gates are for keeping people in or letting people in for protection. And they're also to keep the bad stuff out. You mentioned when talking about Isaiah before, no, the December raid, which was yesterday, you talked about um, the weather being a barrier or a gate that keeps out people who shouldn't be there. Uh, we had a really tough winter this year, or a blessing, but very tough if you're a snowplower anyway, <laughs> or trying to get to your house or your cabin in the in the mountains. But I don't think you clearly stated whether we we're going to have. A similar weather like this in the near future.
1: Oh, yes, we will. And the reason for that is that they provide gates or blockages, which keeps the saints safe in what I call an inner valley. It also provides, uh, the earthquakes seal us off from routes in which the opposed, the invaders could come through our canyons and things so that we can easily defend these areas. Uh, there will be you know, just a few ways into them after the earthquakes and easily could be set up guards or defendants to watch and to ascertain who can come in. And of course, I see as they come in, that you sign off on, a, on an ordinance, and Isaiah calls it an ordinance. And what the ordinance is, is that we, you will act and live as a Christ-like person and treat others like Christ, and you will obey the commandments of God, you know, the Ten Commandments. And um, so this sets up, you know, limiting the type of people that come in. But in general speaking, the people are drawn there. And so they're good people anyway. I mean, they're felt by the Spirit, and they are just pulled into these areas.
0: So we have two really powerful examples of the earth obeying or being malleable to fulfilling God's promises, covenants. And the two examples I can think of are, first of all, Enoch. And if we go reading the book of Moses, the power of the Lord gave him to literally move mountains. And didn't Christ teach that if we had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, we could move mountains? Well, why would a mountain need to be moved? Well, sometimes it's expedient to fulfill God's purpose. And we can see this very clearly when during Enoch's ministry when he's called to to minister and call people to repentance And the enemies came after him and a new land rose up out of the water and when the enemies saw the power that enoch had they went over onto that piece of new real estate and were very afraid Uh, we see moses manipulating the elements through in mount sinai i don't know how mount sinai that area could have fed that many hundreds of thousands of people, refugees, uh, and all their animals without divine intervention. And we see examples. That's why I think the story of the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness has been referred back to so many times because it just shows what God is willing to do, what he's capable of doing when he has boots on the ground and people who he's covenanted with to preserve. He will change things, and make things happen. I'm not saying that every time there's an earthquake on this planet, it's a, it did something wrong or it's for God's purpose. But what I am saying is that there are times when the person in authority has the power to call down the power under the inspiration and faith, and the Lord makes changes. Whatever it takes to make it happen, to fulfill His purpose, He can and will do it. And the earth is willingly obedient. God's Word.
1: You know, there's also in Mark 12, this last week, we've been reading about the Easter and that coming, and uh, there's a story of where he curses the date tree there as he's entering into the city on the the donkey and or the colt. And in that scene, the apostles come back uh, shortly after, and that tree is dead and withering. And then he teaches them a lesson about faith moving mountains and having great faith with an eye single to God that they can move mountains and do all these amazing things, kind of giving them last little bit of instruction before he leaves.
0: And there's even a verse in Luke chapter 19, verse 40, where Jesus says that if people did not shout... For joy when he entered that he said that the the stones would cry out yeah so yeah we see these uh, we see these events all right let's go to verses five and six of isaiah 26 he has put down the elite inhabitants of the exalted city by casting it to the ground laying it even with the dust it is trodden underfoot by the feet of the poor by the footsteps of those impoverished
1: here, Isaiah has is shown all the cities that have held themselves aloof uh, above others, exhibiting all that riches can buy, and they are cast down and become dust. The poor and the impoverished are all that's left in these cities as they rummage through what's left. And I, for instance, was have been taken like into Chicago on one of my walks with the the walk with the savior and it was just it literally was dust with a few things standing up like an apocalyptic movie and there were just people with torn clothes and uh scrounging through things looking for food and just horrific scenes i don't want to go completely into but i've seen that there will be and he describes this more in another chapter too of how these cities are brought down to the dust, and just those people that are kind of rummaging through things and thinking, well, I could have all this wealth if I stay here long enough. I can find wealthy things from these riches, and I'll just have my own little kingdom here. And yeah, it's crazy, but that's amazing.
0: Well, it seems like there's going through a transition period where it's uh, being cleansed and purified. And we know that the Earth is going to receive a higher state of exaltation or a higher state of um, progression when it gets to the millennials, millennium, so it's a terrestrial planet, which is much higher than the telestial level that we're at now. So yes, we're going to see this sloughing off of wickedness and uh, all these silly notions that people can continue to live in a telestial world or in a telestial mode on a planet that is has a bigger destiny it's just not going to it's not going to be compatible <laughs> uh, okay. daniel two forty four says i'm going to read from the niv it says in those in the time of those kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed nor will it be left to another people it will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end but it will itself endure forever this is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain not by human hands a rock that broke the iron the bronze the clay the silver and the gold to pieces so you know this whole thing about uh everything being crumbled to dust that's not part of the new order but this old order and when I say order the new order that god has not the new order that man is trying to falsely build across the globe ain't ain't it and it's not going to happen and that may be what trigger for the lord intervening finally and saying no this earth is not dented for it uh is not destined for a telestial version of a kingdom it's destined for celestial heavenly glory and we're moving on from these old systems
1: That you can really see i mean the path is kind of confusing at times because these new orders that are cropping up they want to bring in things that are very similar to god's but what they do is they downtrodden the poor and they do not elevate the poor or you have goals that would the poor would one day replace them and in god's plan there's always this ladder that is of development in which he, you're helping the next person up below you and the person above you is helping you up. And in these other plans, it gives all the glory to one person, just like the war in heaven. And that's the revealing factor is are you helping others up or are you just taking all the glory for yourself?
0: To, to use a contrast, this came to mind. Satan said, you know, I've got a plan, if we do my plan, and if I can save everybody, I want the throne. I want to sit, and I want all the glory. Uh, Jesus invites us to be joint heirs with him. Joint heirs, that's such a powerful phrase, and that's in the New Testament. Joint heirs with Christ. Sharing, uh, it's so much more powerful than the other option that Satan is trying to upon us let's go read verses uh, 7 and 8 the path of the righteous is straight you pave an under you pave an undeviating course for the upright in the very passage of your ordinances we anticipate you Oh Jehovah the soul's desire is to contemplate your name
1: here Isaiah is seeing the type of people who are welcomed into the inner valleys or the cities of refuge that the servant has designated. These are the righteous people who are on the straight, unwavering, undeviating course to meet the Savior face to face. As they enter these valleys, they agree to the ordinances of how they will conduct themselves. These ordinances outline how we are to treat one another as Christ would treat us. The cities are anticipating Mm -hmm. to see the Savior very soon, so they want to conduct themselves as true disciples of Christ in all that they do. These protected inner valleys are a place people prove that they are truly disciples of Christ by working together as a Zion society. Enoch gathered his people much like this, and it took them a while, but they did become translated. And this is our goal to work together as Enoch did. And become translated or near translation as we go to see the savior face to face and speak to him face to face
0: you know this reminds me of a comment that brigham young made we know that enoch uh, it took him 365 years before they were taken up i think uh, he started at the age of 65 when he was called he said he was but a lad of course they lived a long time back then and then at the age 365 the city was taken up into heaven so about 300 years and i remember brigham young saying this is probably after, after the church had been established for 30 or 40 years he said you know i think we've done pretty good if we had 300 more years we we'd we'd be there but i think we've made a lot of progress in in the 40 or so years that we've been doing this. I thought it was a great observation.
1: And as we begin this last fl- phase before the millennium, we've only got seven years to build a unique city. So hopefully all the teachings and the examples of the past will have sat in us and instilled within us so that we can do this easier and quicker. <laughs>
0: Yes. And the Lord has said, and I, I believe, let me just make a few comments about this. This is something I've pondered a lot. One, it's going to happen quickly because the Lord doesn't like his children to suffer. The quicker we get through this, the better. Secondly, the righteous would not survive if it was prolonged. The Lord said on more than one occasion in the scriptures, he's going to cut his work short in righteousness. And he said, it's for the for the uh, blessing of the of the righteous, because the righteous wouldn't survive, whether he couldn't survive, you know, from the pressure, the intellectual attacks, the spiritual attacks, or the physical um, d- attacks. He has to cut it short. Otherwise, Satan's plan would potentially succeed, uh, which now is not saving anybody. It's bringing everybody to the same level of misery as him, but the Lord's not going to have it. And that's why, we see this marvelous work and a wonder that Isaiah talks about, that Third Nephi talks about, this work of the Father that Jesus um, unfolds in Third Nephi, chapter 21. But that's another topic for another day, right? There's so much to cover. <laughs> I know. Okay, let's go to verse nine. My soul yearns for you in the night, at daybreak, my spirit within me seeks after you for when your ordinances are on the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness.
1: Here God is saying, he is yearning for our groups day and night. He knows that these groups will keep their ordinances, ordinances, I'm sorry, I'm not pronouncing it. The whole world will want to live righteously. uh, and They will seek to know why you have peace among you. So as we have these anchors, of these cities it'll be much like a grand the feeling of coming to a grand temple in a way you can feel the exuberance and the light and the peace just radiating from these areas it's like a a magnet that you can't see or light beam that you can't see you're just drawn to it and when these are established the whole world will yearn for righteousness they'll yearn for what you have just uh, it, it's an unbelievable scene.
0: There's a switch that flips inside of us when we become born again. Born of the water, born of the spirit. Uh, you go from the gospel of Jesus Christ maybe seeming like a chore or uh, nothing to offer, really, the that, that, that satisfies your soul to suddenly hungering and thirsting And I like this, love this word, yearning for this Lord. And it goes from being uh, a wasteland to a feast. Uh, My daughter, who is serving a mission right now, she's just, has flipped that switch where she's now broken out of her little world and is serving others and reading the scriptures in a way that she never has before. And she said, it's so delicious. She's just like, it's so delicious. I just want to eat it all. And it's so fun to watch this. And here we have, uh, as you saying, we, when we do this as a group, as, as a group of people in these communities or together, uh, there's an amazing power that's associated with that. And you can't understand it. If, if you're listening to this and you've never experienced that uh, it's possible. This is what the Savior is teaching in talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You know, there's 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 a hunger that you have. You can't, uh, when you talk to the woman at the well, who he who drinks of the water that I offer will never thirst. It's so tantalizing, but it's hard to see it unless you get on the other side. I used to uh, have, Help
1: with the guiding business, in which our family had huge ranches, and we did some cattle drives. And as we would bring in people to work the cows and, and drive them across long distances there, these people would come in. And, you know, within a few days of like, we would have three generations of us whites at the table visiting, no TV or anything and they just don't want to leave they say i can't believe the the interaction i can't believe the love the way you work together i mean i love this environment i just want do i have to go home i want to (laughs) stay here with you guys and feel this togetherness it was really fun to witness
0: it's very infectious and it spreads and suddenly you look back and say why was i so taken by the older model of self-centeredness and individuality and and it's such a different it's a switch that can be flipped and it can be forgotten too all right let's go to verses 10 through 11. though favor be shown the wicked they will not learn righteousness this is exactly what we're talking about uh just to comment on this real quick if you are, you know, like like leading sheep or driving sheep, right? You can't drive a wicked person. It just doesn't penetrate. <clears throat> Though favor will be uh, be shown the wicked, they'll be given opportunities to have this born-again experience. They will not learn righteousness. This is uh, Laman and Lemuel, Nephi. In a land of uprightness, they remain perverse and see not the glory of Jehovah. Oh Jehovah, your hand is lifted up, but they perceive it not. Let them perceive with dismay your zeal for your people when the fire prepared for your enemies consumes them.
1: Even though the wicked seem to have all the worldly things they need, they will never truly learn what it means to be righteous. They still hold on to the desires of a perverse generation seeking worldly riches over their relationship with God. These people do not hear God's voice, the servant, and they continue until they are ripened in iniquity, which is when they attack the righteous, and then God empowers the servant to destroy them. And as you were talking about the animals, Craig, I have studied wild horses quite a bit. And in order to um, get them to behave and bring them back in when they've been naughty and biting or kicking somebody in the herd uh, where they're not supposed to, they, the lead mare will send them outside the group and keep them at bay away, and they become afraid because they don't have the protection of the herd. And once they act like they will obey again the rules of the herd, they're allowed back in, but they're left to the buffetings of the world and don't have the peace of the herd
0: hmm. for a while that's really interesting uh clearly this is talking sean about you know the fullness of the wrath of god that he he, when when people's iniquity is full i should say then god in his wrath gets to this point where the wicked are destroyed but at the beginning of the of these verses it says though favor may be uh, shown the wicked so we're in that period where we're trying to gather or as uh, jacob teaches through the writings of zenith we're trying to uh dig and dung around the trees to produce good fruit we're calling people to repentance there are still people to be saved there are still people who can reverse and can repent and god's arm is extended but there gets a point when it won't be a possible anymore and this is i'm sure that you've weren't happy when you saw that the wicked had to be dealt with It must have been great sorrow. All the accounts that I've ever read, it's a terrible thing to have to witness, and it motivates us in Shiloh Base to to work harder to open people's eyes around us.
1: Yeah, I'd like to comment about what I saw there. Um, It is hard to see the wicked be destroyed, but when you see God's law and understand it, we understand that we all agreed to a certain set of terms and we know for a fact, like when we take shed innocent blood or deny the Holy Ghost, that that's a kind of a universal law of things, that we've disrupted somebody else's life, and that is to be dealt with accordingly. So there are rules and laws, and so when you finally see them destroyed, you know that they had a full knowledge of what they did at that point, and they denied it time and time again. And so it is just to destroy them, to allow others to raise and grow
0: and mature. Thank you for that insight. Let's go ahead and go to verse 12 now. O oh, Jehovah, you bring about our peace. Even all that we have accomplished, you have done for us. God's children have gathered to live in Zion societies
1: are humbled and acknowledge that after all they can do, in spite of their weakness, it is by God's grace that he gives them true peace within themselves.
0: Definitely big signs of humility there, and I love that. Verses 13 and 14. O Jehovah, our God, lords other than you have ruled over us, but you alone we recall by name. They are dead to live no more spirits who will not rise up. You may appoint them to destruction, wiping out all recollection of them.
1: This is so interesting to me and beautiful. The righteous children of God continue praising God and the peace and protection given them. They forget the wicked rulers that put them into bondage and seek only for the building up of his kingdom here on earth. This shows they they easily forget the wicked rulers that once oppressed them and the hard life that they have because they're so feeling this glory and this togetherness that that's all they want to focus on. And it's just this beautiful spirit that
0: carries them on. Next verse. You have enlarged the nation, O Jehovah, and by enlarging it, it gained glory for yourself. You have withdrawn all borders in the earth.
1: They continue praising God, acknowledging how Zion is growing. They see there is nothing more glorious to God than seeing his children live righteously. The borders of the earth seem to disappear at this point. The reason why we're seeing them disappear is because the wicked are being destroyed, and those once rulers that ruled through punishing the wicked and making slaves out of things, they're gone, and so them upholding their borders have disappeared and we're accepting more and more people in and they want to live in this Zion society
0: and feel of this love. So people might say, well, isn't this what the new world order or the world order that's trying to be designed today by wealthy ones and influential ones? And the answer is no, they're not doing it under the banner of Jehovah or with his uh, sanction or the same laws and rules absolutely not but the time is going to come and that's why satan's trying to put in place this counterfeit this phony counterfeit system that has nothing to do with god trying to exclude god and actually lead to the persecution of those who believe in jehovah
1: that's why it will be so very hard after the king of assyria to recognize who the real christ is and who the antichrist is And it'll only really know within your heart to how to discern between the two, because the one appears this way, but you know that they will put you under oppression later on and they will work to put you into bondage. And that's the tricky part. They start out one way and then change.
0: And Peter's pointed this out too. He said that even he, when he saw the the, uh, system set up in Revelation 13, Even he was persuaded to join and he said there was no resistance there was so much desire for peace and tranquility and departure from the contention that had been going on in the world that people welcomed this new world leader and there was no resistance at all but what do we know we know that over time as it progresses through revelation 13 they're going to require denying God, denying Christ, and you're going to be, if you are in the system, you're not going to be able to escape it, and that's why you have to stay outside of that system. But the Savior warned in Matthew 24 about there being false Christs in the last days. We know that in Moses' time, when he appeared before the Pharaoh, were not the magicians and the people that surrounded the Pharaoh able to do certain acts of miracles? Miracles are not. Miracles are going to be capable of being performed by the beast in Revelation thirteen. Uh, dies almost or dies unto death, and then he comes to life again. I mean, these are these are things that are very powerful. But if people don't have discernment, they're going to be deceived. It's interesting where we are in the chapter right now. You're going to
1: notice things folding back over themselves. Around verse 14 was the center where there's destruction. And now we're working backwards, going up to the stage of this destruction. So we're reemphasizing earlier points.
0: Which is the very definition of a chiasmus and a definitely a Hebraic uh, method of writing. Let's go to verse verses 16 through 18. O Jehovah, in their distress, they remembered you. They poured out silent prayers when your chastisements were upon them. As a woman about to give birth, Christ out from her pangs during labor, so were we at your presence, O Jehovah. We were with child. We have been in labor, but have brought forth only wind. We have not wrought salvation in the earth, that the inhabitants of the world might not fall.
1: Isaiah is now thinking back to the people he saw experiencing extreme trials in verse 5 and 6. These are the ones wandering, the once magnificent cities that have now turned to dust. These people did not gather as a servant had suggested. They finally, under great distress, called out for God's help. Isaiah compares their pleadings with God to the distress of a woman giving birth, We must remember that in Isaiah's day, they did not have painkillers and help during childbirth. These people are calling out, saying, are our prayers not enough to bring salvation back, meaning Christ, as they continue to face the hard challenges within these cities that have turned to dust? And I love this bringing back to remind us of a woman giving birth, because... At that moment in giving birth, as we watch our wives, the screaming out for help in utter desperation, not focused on anything else but that, that is really the point of... All of, if we're going to turn back to God, if we're going to remember God, if we're going to really have the broken heart, contrite spirit experience or the ashes and sackcloth experience, it's got to be in a way like giving childbirth. So focused uh, and that, uh, that's all that matters in your life and you don't care what's going on around you. You just want that thing you're praying for.
0: And only Jehovah's going to make it happen. Everything else is hollow. It's empty it's like the wind
1: yeah
0: isaiah, uh chapter or verse 19 isaiah 26 yet shall your dead live when their bodies arise you will say to them awake and sink for joy you who abide in the dust your dew is the dew of sunrise for the earth shall cast up its dead well, that sounds like resurrection to me <laughs> Yeah, the dew spoken of
1: here represents their tears, and Isaiah is still talking about those that did not gather as the servant suggested. God is saying to them, do not mourn your loved ones who have died. They will soon be resurrected. Take joy that Christ will soon be here. And when you look back and you see the stage of what they are in in this three-year period of time, we're very close to the Savior coming and that resurrection. Now we're not, you know, we don't want to overlook, and we'll talk about this at another time of the resurrection and the rapture type experience that happens at the midpoint. But we're now past the midpoint and looking at the next three and a half years of these verses.
0: Let's conclude with the last two verses then. Come, O my people, enter your chambers and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves a little while. Until the wrath is past, for now will Jehovah come out of His dwelling place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquities? The earth, shall, the earth, will uncover the blood shed upon it, and no more conceal its stain. That's loaded.
1: God is speaking here to everyone that can hear His voice within them. Hide yourself a little while longer, as I finish destroying the wicked. God will no longer allow the wicked to conceal their iniquities. All the secrets of the wicked used to get power through the shedding of blood will be
0: revealed. Beautiful promise here. Uh, the hiding. There's a time where, where we have to gather. We have to um, seal off while the wrath of god is is uh issued and there are places we can dwell and places we can be we're talking down the road but we should all be thinking about how we're going to be safe and protected and uh watch the signs watch as things evolve We, we see things can fall apart pretty quickly i mean that's one thing i've learned from watching the wars and battles in ukraine is how quickly these cities can be leveled and destroyed and made to dust with human weapons man-made weapons and how quickly people's reality goes from relatively idyllic conditions to a nightmare and it's it's amazing how fast it can happen it's interesting to me that the promise over
1: and over again i i mean i'd read isaiah several times and read other books about it and and compared things but this time now that i'm going through it with the purpose of matching it to my walk with the savior and what he had showed me all of a sudden i'm looking up words i'm looking up things And I'm becoming so much closer in understanding what is being said. Um, But over and over again, once we come back to this, to Heavenly Father in this ashes and sackcloth experience, this broken heart and a contrite spirit, we will hear that still, small voice, and we will be protected. These are the children that our Heavenly Father wants to save.
0: One thing that came to my mind as I reviewed this last couple of verses was Revelation chapter six verse nine. And we when, when he opened the fifth seal I saw under the altar the souls of them who were slain for the word of God, and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants and also their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And I feel like that's what this is showing here is there's a time when the Lord is not going to avenge those who have been slain for their testimonies and their good works, but eventually they will. It will be uncovered and when we've had our martyrs in our generation then the lord is going to move forward as it describes here so yeah that's beautiful all right that covers isaiah chapter 26 we'll be back again soon with another installment of the book of isaiah thanks for joining me today sean
1: thank you Craig. have a good day
0: you too